Good morning, faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host here of this podcast. And, you know, I'm just so excited that you chose to tune in this morning and share a cup of coffee with me or a cup of tea, though I have uh, my coffee here. I will not be drinking tea this morning or any morning, but... (laughs) If you choose to drink tea, that's that's your prerogative. But nonetheless, I am still happy that you're here to share a cup of a beverage with me. Let's just say that. And today we are going to be discussing Acts chapter 2, because today is Thursday. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a New Testament episode. And we happen to be in the book of Acts this morning. So let's go ahead and read about the Pentecost. This is probably the most famous portion of Acts, I would say, is Acts chapter 2. Anytime I hear a sermon about Acts, it's typically out of Acts chapter 2, just because of how important and historical this chapter really is for the early church. So I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 today, and we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and some of the things I learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I did a ton of research on this episode, and I still don't have all the answers for everything, but we're still going to discuss it and I'm going to do my best this morning. So anyway, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly, there came from the sky a sound like a rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Tongues like fire appeared and were distributed to them, and one sat on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under the sky. When this sound was heard, the multitude came together and were bewildered, because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, aren't all these who speak Galileans? How do we hear everyone in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them speaking in our languages the mighty works of God. They were all amazed and were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. Okay, so something really interesting about this is that this was Pentecost. You guys might know that we talked actually about this holiday way back in the book of Numbers, I think it was, when God talked about the Feast of the First Fruits. And that's actually what Pentecost was. It was the Feast of the First Fruits. So this feast actually was one of the best attended. Jews from all over the place would go to Jerusalem to bring their first fruits. And what that means is the first of their harvest. And it was a time for the people to come together and enjoy fellowship with each other. And so it was a well-attended feast of gratitude, basically. And it makes a lot of sense now when you read this, why all the disciples were in one place. They were not only waiting for the Holy Spirit, but it also sounds like they were celebrating the Feast of the First Fruits together. There were likely possibly hundreds of people in this house all celebrating the feast together because we find out from the last chapter that there was like something like 120 people gathered together to worship and to pray and everything like that and so now in acts chapter 2 they're all together again it says that the day of the pentecost had come and they were all with one accord in one place 
And so suddenly there came from the sky the sound of like a rushing and mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. So suddenly everybody that is in this house celebrating the feast hears this like rushing wind. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that God appears to people in many different forms. Like, for example, he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He often appears as fire. He sometimes appears as a cloud or like a wind. And so in this case, in Acts 2, God appears as a wind. Now, this actually stood out to me a little bit. The other day I was reading in my personal reading, Second Chronicles chapter 7, because I'm going through the Old Testament on my own right now. And so it, it talks about the dedication of the temple when King Solomon, hundreds of years before Jesus even existed, made the temple. And, he, and Solomon took 20 years to make the temple of God. And so after Solomon had dedicated the temple of God, it actually says here in Second Chronicles 7 verse 1, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence that the Lord had filled it with. So whenever God in the Old Testament is mentioned as being there, like his presence being there, people have to leave <laughs> like every single time. There's almost no people that can like stand in God's presence and not be totally overwhelmed by it. Like even here in Second Chronicles, the priests of the temple had to leave the temple because God's glorious presence was there. And we don't know in what form it was. It does say some fire had come down from heaven, but it also says that God's glorious presence filled the temple and the priests had to get out of there. They had to leave because God is so much better and so much bigger and so much more holy than us that we cannot be near his presence without getting like burned up. The one analogy I've made that I've, I actually heard from the Bible Project that I think is really good is that God is similar to the sun. You know, the sun is awesome. It's so good for us. We absolutely need the sun to survive. But if we get too close to the sun, we're going to get burned up and destroyed by it because the sun is so magnificent that we can't tolerate to be in the sun's presence, basically. And so that's kind of how God is. We need God. God is great. God is good. But also his presence is just so, so much for us because we're sinful creatures and God is perfect and holy. But yet here in Acts chapter two, God's presence comes down into the house where all the people were sitting and the people didn't have to leave. <laughs> Instead, it says that tongues like fire appeared above their heads. And it says that each tongue sat on the top of each person's head, but it looked like fire as well. So there's, there's many things I could talk about here. The first being that the Holy Spirit in a way was kind of like purifying all the people that were in this room. We know that fire purifies and God often talks about how fire purifies and refines. So one of the reasons why the people didn't have to leave when God's presence came into the room was because the Holy Spirit at this point was refining and purifying every single person that was in the room. 
So the people get the little flames of fire above their heads that look like tongues. They are all filled with the Holy Spirit. So they don't have to leave the room. Instead, the Holy Spirit literally like fills them. Does that make sense? Like the Holy Spirit baptizes all of them. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit we hear about. So now all of a sudden, these people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are baptized with the Holy Spirit, refined by the Holy Spirit, begin speaking in other languages. And this was miraculous because there were so many people in Jerusalem at this time because of the feast of the first fruits. So tons of Jews from all over the region, all over the world, came to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And they hear these people that are sitting in the house with the flames of fire above their head. They hear them begin to speak in different languages. And so here's what it says. When the sound of the wind was heard, the multitude came together and were bewildered because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. So the sound of a rushing wind brought people that were like around the house basically to the house to see what was going on. So they hear this crazy sound, but they see nothing. They're like, where is this sound of this wind coming from? But we feel nothing. We don't see anything happening. But then all of a sudden, the people inside the house start coming out of the house and they're speaking in different languages. And so all the people that are like standing around wondering what's going on hear their language being spoken, like their heart language, their native language. And so they're just like, what is going on here? And so they're like, aren't all these people Galileans? So how are they speaking our language? Like we're from Persia, we're from Mesopotamia, we're from Egypt, we're from Libya and Cyrene, like all these people from all over the world, from different regions are hearing their language. And this is shocking to them because how can a person be speaking multiple languages at one time. That's not possible, right? (laughs) Like you hear me speaking in English, okay? And unless the Holy Spirit is translating my English into, you know, Chinese right now, a Chinese person is going to turn on this podcast and hear English. He's not going to hear Chinese unless something miraculous is going on. But yet this is the exact thing that's happening right here. There's Egyptians nearby that are hearing Egyptian being spoken. There's people from Mesopotamia nearby hearing their language being spoken. And so they're all shocked. They're shocked and they can't understand what's going on here. And it says they were all amazed. They were all perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So there's a few things I specifically want to talk about regarding this chapter. The first thing being, do we all Does every Christian get baptized with the Holy Spirit? And I believe, yes, if you are truly saved, if you truly believe in Jesus, you will get baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's the first question is, I don't believe that this was just like a one and done event that the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurred right here in Acts chapter two for one time and done because it talks about other places in Acts actually where people got baptized with the Holy Spirit after this event happened. So I don't think this was a one and done event. I do think that each and every one of us do get baptized with the Holy Spirit individually. 
So that's the first thing I believe in scripture pretty much backs that up, actually. The second thing I want to talk about is what's the point of regular water baptism if we also get baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, water baptism is a outward expression of our faith. It doesn't have to be done in front of a ton of people because there's stories also in Acts that talk about people just getting baptized in front of like one or two people or just in front of their family. But it's still showing this outward expression of faith. It's almost like a promise that we make. We promise when we get baptized that we are going to live the Christian lifestyle. And so the people who see us get baptized witness that promise we make. Uh, It's a promise to ourselves. It's a promise to Jesus. So when we do baptism, it's a promise we are making and a promise we should keep with God. Now, this is why I personally think that baby baptism is not correct because babies aren't the ones making that choice. They're not the ones making that promise. It's the parents who are um, baptizing their babies. And so that's why I think that uh Baby baptism is not correct because I think that every human being needs to make the choice themselves to um, become a Christian and to walk in that lifestyle. So that's what I think about baptism. And that's why I think water baptism is necessary. And even Jesus himself told us to do it and also did it himself to show an example of what we're supposed to do when we live the Christian lifestyle. So. The baptism of water is still necessary, still important. But what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And this is where I get a little bit confused, if I'm being honest. And I did a lot of research and I still don't have all the answers. And I don't think I'm ever going to have all the answers. The Holy Spirit is very mysterious and we cannot limit him. We cannot put him in a box. It is impossible because the Holy Spirit is limitless. But the two things I can connect with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is first and foremost, just as a person can be saved before getting baptized in the water, and you know, the water baptism is not what saves a person, I believe that a person can receive the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit before getting baptized by the Holy Spirit. Just as I think that these disciples here waiting in the room in Acts chapter 2 already had the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus breathed on them in John and Jesus had received the Holy Spirit. And I think that's when they received the Holy Spirit. I think they had the Holy Spirit well before this event. So I do believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily when we receive the Holy Spirit. But what I do think it is, and this is the part that people can uh, check me on and research themselves. I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when a person who is saved and already has the Holy Spirit, receives their spiritual gift. Because that's what happens here in this room in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes in and all of these disciples and followers of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit and they received the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Now, 1 Corinthians talks a lot about spiritual gifts and what they are. And a spiritual gift is basically the Holy Spirit giving you a specific gift that helps you spread the gospel to more people or helps you in some way shine the light of Jesus. And everybody's spiritual gift is different. So this means that not every single person who receives a spiritual gift is going to receive the gift of tongues. And that's also clearly laid out 
in 1 Corinthians 14. And sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a lot less showy, I think, than tongues. I'm not saying that tongues can always be showy. Sometimes it is, you know, um, a person in their own room praying to God in tongues. And yes, I do think that tongues is still a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. Just as I think prophecy is a gift still that the Holy Spirit can give us. But I think that there are some gifts that are more behind the scenes, like administrative type of gifts that aren't, you know, so out in the open. So I think it's also dangerous, and I know some denominations do this, to tell people that they don't have the Holy Spirit if they can't speak in tongues. Because guess what? I can't speak in tongues. I don't think I'll ever be able to speak in tongues. And I I truly do believe, and I know actually, that I have the Holy Spirit. I believe that very strongly. And I can't speak in tongues. And there are many Christians I know who I believe also have the Holy Spirit, and they cannot speak in tongues. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit does not always give the same gift to every single person. So to summarize everything I just said, yes, I still believe water baptism is necessary. I think that a person can receive the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit before getting baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is talking about when a person receives their spiritual gift, their special gift that God gives them. So going back to the story of Acts chapter 2, these people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They refined and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they receive the gift of speaking in tongues. And now all of a sudden they're speaking in all these languages about the mighty works of God is what it says in verse 11. It says the people hear them speaking in their languages, the mighty works of God and all the people around them, the multitude were amazed. They were perplexed. They said one to one another, what does this mean? And others mocking said they are filled with wine. (laughs) So of course, some people in the crowd just didn't believe it. They just thought, you know, the people filled with the Holy Spirit were crazy. And they were like, no, these people, you know, this couldn't possibly be the work of God. This couldn't possibly be a miracle. This is certainly them being drunk with wine. New wine specifically is what it says. So as always, there is going to be somebody who refuses to believe in the scriptures. Even if they see it clear as day, something miraculous happening, there's always going to be somebody who just does not believe it and refuses to believe it. And once again, right here, there are people in the crowd that are mocking the the Christians and saying they are drunk. They can't possibly be speaking all these different languages. But yet they were because this was a miracle from God. This was these Christians receiving the gift of tongues, which, by the way, was an awesome gift for the early Christians to receive. Because these were like the first Christians. And so the first Christians, if they received the gift of tongues, they'd be able to go all over the world and spread the gospel absolutely everywhere. So it makes a lot of sense that they received this particular gift because it was probably one of the most necessary gifts at this time was for them to be able to speak in tongues because the immense amount of diversity that was not only in Jerusalem, but all over the world at that time period. So these Christians received their gift on the Feast of the First Fruits. They received it on one of the most popular holidays in Jerusalem at the time. And that's why Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem 
for the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they would receive their gift of tongues and begin immediately to spread the gospel to every single person that came to Jerusalem. It was like the best timing for the Christians in this room to be able to receive their spiritual gift. And of course, God knew that. Well, faithful listeners, I hope this answered some questions that you might have had about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even though I read the Bible to you, I always recommend and ask you guys to read it yourselves and to study it yourselves. Don't just take my word for it. I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Judges. Judges has been great, and I believe it's going to continue to be very great and very, very interesting. Faithful listeners, I'll see you all tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. Happy listening. And God bless.